This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 192 of the Catholic Foodie, Diana Von Glan, the Faithful Traveler, and the Holy Land. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we are talking with a special guest. We have a special guest joining us a little bit later in the show, Diana Von Glan, also known as the Faithful Traveler, over at Faithful or TheFaithfulTraveler.com. Diana produces uh, Catholic television shows, travel shows uh, that have aired on EWTN. Uh, she did one on the Holy Land uh, that aired back in February. Matter of fact, interesting story. You're going to hear about that soon. And she just recently went back to the Holy Land uh, when the Holy Father was there, our Pope, Pope Francis. So you'll hear all about it right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. So make sure that you stay tuned right here. Diana will be joining us a little bit later in the show. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk with you about a few other things first. Uh, lots of stuff going on around here <laughs> lately. Um, I feel like I've, I've been absent somewhat from CatholicFoodie.com and also from uh, the Catholic Foodie podcast simply because... As you probably already know, I have uh, I'm working on a book. I have a book that's coming out in November, November November 1st. Uh, Ligori Publications is the publisher. It's called Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie, Middle Eastern Cuisine, and it's really uh, it's all about growing in faith around the table. Uh, I tell stories uh, from the trip to the Holy Land that I took back in February, and also stories about uh, my wife's family, our family, but but the influence I guess comes from her side of the family because they're Lebanese. And so we have, we eat Middle Eastern food all the time and we have that sort of uh, Middle Eastern influence in our lives because of her family. And if you've ever seen the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, (laughs) then uh, that may give you a little inkling as to some of the drama or not really drama, but maybe the hysterics, right? The funny stuff, the the, the big families and, and all, that uh, that big families entail. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that that I talk about, but from a faith perspective. So uh, I'm very excited about the book. It's just been a lot of a lot of time. It takes time to to get all of that down on paper and to go through the whole process of writing a book and, and putting the recipes together. We did a lot of recipe testing from really from February uh, through June. And and a lot of these recipes are recipes that we've been cooking for years anyway, uh, but they're new recipes that I learned when I was in the Holy Land. And I've had several recipes that were shared with me uh, by chefs, uh, chefs in Jerusalem, chefs in uh, in Nazareth, and, and also chefs right here in my own backyard, right here outside of New Orleans. So I've had to do a lot of recipe testing. And in addition to the testing, um, we I, I photographed all the recipes. So Ligori wanted to have a finished, or a photo rather, of the finished product, the finished dish for each recipe. And so uh, how do you do that? <laughs> you got to cook it all, right? So it's a good thing that I love to cook. And it, it really has been a lot of fun. Uh, the whole family has kind of gotten into it. Uh, my wife, of course, helping me to cook. And then the kids, man, they're the best recipe uh testers or tasters that I, I think I've ever, I've ever encountered. I mean, they, they love to eat, they love good food and they remember things and they kind of critique things as, as we go along. So it's been a total joy, a lot of work, total joy. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't been 
as active, uh, posting new recipes over at catholicfoodie.com and also uh, new podcast episodes. I try to get to it, but I think I've only done one, maybe the last, uh, like one one a month, I believe, the last couple of months, the last few months. So I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. The book manuscript is done. It has been submitted. And uh, right now, I still have some more pictures to provide. I've got uh, some more recipes to cook simply to photograph them. And there are a couple of recipes, I'll tell you. There are a few that I'm still trying to uh, iron out, a few kinks. I mean, these are these are things that, uh, these are dishes that will be prepared in a, in a home kitchen, right? They're, they're, and everybody's kitchen's different. Uh, everybody's oven may be slightly different. Uh, some of the ingredients may be harder to come by in certain places. And so I'm trying to do my best to test these recipes ahead of time and to make sure that I have worded them and explained them correctly and clearly uh, so that uh, anybody can pick up the book and uh, cook Middle Eastern food, foods, some of those foods that that Jesus himself probably ate uh, 2,000 plus years ago. So it's, it's exciting. It's very exciting. And I can't wait. The book comes out uh, November 1st. It's already available for pre-order. You can go to Ligori.org. Ligori, L-I-G-U-O-R-I dot O-R-G. The book is available there. And uh, in conjunction with the book coming out, I'm also doing uh, some articles for uh, the Ligorian magazine. If you don't subscribe to that, there's a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com where you can go and subscribe. Uh, But I'm providing a recipe and a story uh, for the foreseeable future, kind of from the book. So there's going to be a I think that the last, the first one just came out last week or maybe two weeks ago now. Uh, it was the summer uh, issue, July, August. And uh, the recipe that I gave them was uh, for Greek salad, you know, which we love to do. And it's a perfect summer, summer salad. If you want to do a, kind of a Middle Eastern or Mediterranean uh, salad, the Greek salad is, is beautiful. And the good thing about salads in the summertime is you can always take them and put them into the fridge before you talk. Toss, toss them with a the dressing and let the, the lettuce and all the other ingredients get really you know, well chilled before you toss and serve. So it can be a very cool salad on a hot summer afternoon or evening. So I've got uh, another one coming up uh, in September. The next issue is coming up and I'll give you a little hint, a little sneak peek that that recipe is going to be something for tailgating, right? Football season is, is about to start. Lots of folks, I think it's called the great American pastime. Some people think that it's baseball, but I think it's actually tailgating. Um, And so I'm including a recipe for something for that, right? Something Middle Eastern, something to feed a crowd. And uh, you just have to wait and see. It'll be a surprise, but I'm excited about it. and, And that's there as well. Also, I wanted to tell you and you'll hear a little bit more about this a little bit later in the show, not too far along though, uh, is that I've got another pilgrimage uh, that I'm taking to the Holy Land. It's going to be in February 2015. It's the February 26th to March 8th, 2015. And we're going to walk the the, the roads that Jesus walked. We're going to go to some of the very same places that Jesus, uh, where he ate with his disciples and apostles, where he talked with them, where he preached, where he, he, he brought forth and demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God. He was bringing the kingdom, uh, kingdom of God on earth. Uh, where he was building up 
the family of God, bringing people into and forming the church. These places are holy. And it's not just the places, it's also the people of the Holy Land. Uh, one of the, 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 the awesome aspects of the pilgrimages that I take to the Holy Land is that all the businesses that we uh, patron, all the ones that we go to, all the restaurants that we go to, uh, the, 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 the tour group who handles the, the local arrangements for us, including our expertly trained, uh, guides are all Christian. And, you know, for us, you may be here in, uh, in Louisiana or in Ohio or in Florida or in California or in Wyoming or someplace here in the States listening to this. And you think you may be Catholic and you're thinking, why is he talking about Christian? Why Christian? Was, why, why don't, why don't you just say Catholic? Well, I'll tell you why. Because in, in Israel and Palestine, you've got three main groups, three main religious groups. You've got the Christians, lump them all together there. And then you have the Jews and you have the Muslims. And the Christians are a minority in that part of the world. In the Middle East, Christians are a minority. And when you say Christians, you're talking mainly, you're talking about Roman Catholics and you're talking about Eastern, either Eastern Catholics or Eastern Orthodox. And so, you know, we, we do have the Maronite right church, the Maronite church, the Melkites, they're, they're Catholic. They're in full communion with the Holy Father. They're in full communion with the Catholic church, but their Eastern rites, R-I-T-E-S. And so they have their own customs, their own traditions. That's, that's different than what we have in the Latin rite, which is what most of us in the States are really part of the, the Latin rite of the Roman Catholic church. And so you have the universality of Catholicism on display here, which is beautiful. But what's really beautiful to see too in in the Holy Land is that the Christians kind of, they really do come together and they want to refer to themselves as Christians, not Catholic or Melkite or uh, 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 Orthodox or whatever it may be. And the reason for that is to show a, uh, a unity in front of the Jews and the Muslims. They are together. We can learn a lot, actually. We can learn a lot uh, from from the, the the living stones of the church, right? The the Christians who are there in the Holy Land. We can learn a lot here in the states uh, as well, and especially just the, the whole unity of the church. The the, the we're, we're one in the Lord. I know there was a lot of division. There's a lot of different denominations, and you know we we are working towards unity because that's the prayer that Jesus prayed, right? Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. And so we work toward that. It may not be perfect now, but we work toward it. And we see it in living color in the Holy Land. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. So we, we really do try, since the, the Christians are a minority in the Holy Land, we want to support them as much as we can. If we're going to take a pilgrimage over there and we're going to see all these holy sites where Jesus was, uh, where the, the, really the birth of the church, if we're going to do all that, then why would we not try to support the local Christian communities that are there? And so that's really what we try to do. We, we, we make that a special point in any case, whenever it's possible, that is what we do. And there are a couple of th- times where, where it's just not possible. As an example, the bus driver that we had in the, in the last uh, trip that I took in, in uh, February uh, was Muslim. 
He was a wonderful man, a, 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 a beautiful man. And uh, we, he and I had breakfast together many times uh, over the course of, or I say many times, I mean, I was only there for 11 days, but several times, a few times we had breakfast together. And um, he spoke very good English and uh, we, we just had a, a, a connection, you know, a connection. And he is a God-fearing man and, and a good man. And he's Muslim. And uh, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed meeting him. And I can't wait to see him again, hopefully, uh, this coming February. So in that particular case, they didn't have a Christian bus driver available. So he was the one that they hired. But that's okay. Our guide is a Christian. And that makes a huge difference because when they're taking you to these different places uh, where Jesus walked and talked and ate and preached and healed. And, and then when he suffered, where he suffered and died, they're coming to you. They're, they're, they're explaining the faith. They're explaining these, this place, this, the, what the events that took place in these locations from a faith perspective. They, they share the faith. They share our belief. And it makes a huge difference. I have heard uh, stories of folks who have gone on pilgrimages to the Holy Land where they had, uh, I mean, just really people who were professionally trained as tour guides, but they really didn't have any faith at all. Or, or maybe they were Christ, uh, uh, Jewish or Muslim. It makes a huge difference. It really does. So that's one thing to consider. If you know anybody who is uh, who would be interested in traveling with me, I would love to send them more information or point you in the right direction on where to get the information and to invite them to come and to learn more about growing in faith around the table by going back to the very roots of the church, by going back to the, the very beginnings of it, right? Where, where Jesus walked, talked, ate, preached, healed, and ultimately suffered and died. And we, we, we really do. It's experiential. We see the places, we pray, uh, but we also have a whole culinary track there, a whole food or foodie sort of an element, maybe a, a foodie buffet of events, if you will, right? Uh, where we have cooking classes and, and we have celebratory meals together, where we get to, to do wine tastings and we, we get to, to taste and sample different uh, foods there in the Middle East. And some of that, even the, the very same foods that Jesus himself ate. And uh, something new in February we're going to do. We didn't do this last year, this past year. We're going to do it this year. We're going to a place where it's kind of like... Um, uh, they, they, they take you through the daily life, what it really would have been like 2000 years ago in, in the Holy Land when Jesus was alive, how they make the bread, how they made the wine, how they, uh, all the, the things that they would do. And it's kind of like a little village, if you, you know, kind of like a little village where, where they uh, do, I don't want to say a reenactment, but it's something like that, right? It's, they're trying to uh, preserve for our benefit, for, for us to grow in faith we can get an insight into what it was really like for Jesus and Mary and Joseph uh, and the apostles when, when they were, you know, here on earth 2000 years ago. So very exciting. Please do pass the word. You can find more information, by the way, over at catholicfoodie.com. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this trip and I hope that uh, you'll help me to spread the word. To help me to spread the word, catholicfoodie.com. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, this is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, and I want to invite you to join me on a food and faith pilgrimage to the Holy Land organized by Select International Tours from February 26th to March 8th, 2015. 
On this pilgrimage, we'll be exploring many of the sites that a feature in my soon-to-be-released cookbook published by Ligori Publications. The name of the book is Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie Middle Eastern Cuisine, and it is scheduled to be released November 1st. The first 10 people to sign up for this pilgrimage will receive a free autographed copy of the cookbook. On this journey to Israel, we will explore Bethlehem, Cana, Nazareth, Jerusalem, Jericho, Ein Karim, and Emmaus. We will celebrate Mass on the Mount of Beatitudes and sail on the Sea of Galilee. We will visit Jesus' tomb, the place where he was buried and where he rose from the dead. On this food and faith pilgrimage, we will walk the land of Jesus and taste the culture through the delicious foods of the Middle East, dining in some of Israel's best restaurants and getting cooking lessons from some of Israel's top chefs. On this pilgrimage, we will grow in faith together around the table of the Eucharist and around the dinner table as we share some of the same foods that Jesus used to eat. For more information and to register, go to catholicfoodie.com. Welcome back to The Catholic Foodie. You know, I mentioned earlier that we have a guest today on the show, uh, Diana Von Glan. Diana is uh, a friend of mine. Uh, you may recognize the name. She's known as the Faithful Traveler, and she has produced multiple Catholic travel television series uh, that have aired on EWTN. And Diana was recently in the Holy Land uh, for the second time this past May when, when our Pope, Pope Francis, uh, was in the Holy Land to meet with the, uh, the, the Patriarch of Constantinople. It was a tremendous uh, event. It was momentous, I should say. Uh, the, the, the last time that a, a pope and patriarch had met in, in, the, in those circumstances in the Holy Land was 50 years ago. And back then it was, it was Pope uh, Paul VI who had made that trip. So it was, it was a momentous event. And matter of fact, one of my co-hosts on the Around the Table Food Show, Monsignor Christopher Nalti, he was also uh, present. He was also there in the Holy Land when the Holy Father uh, made his trip this past, um, this past May. Just a few weeks back. And so Diana went this time, though, not to do a uh, The Faithful Traveler, necessarily. Uh, you know, she, she did have a, uh, a Holy Land television series that came out. Matter of fact, it came out the week after I got back from the Holy Land in February. That was really awesome. I got to come home from my, my, my experience and then sort of kind of relive it again by watching Diana go through, you know, go to all the places that we went to. And she even uh, gave us a sneak peek in the uh, in the te- the television show into the food you know so we're, we're seeing her uh, sample hummus and and we get to talk to some of the the people who live there in the Holy Land it was beautiful beautiful and so Diana goes back again in May and this time it was a, a trip that was sponsored by the the uh, Israeli Ministry of Tourism and it was because of the Holy Father's uh, trip there to to the Holy Land and so what we wanted to do is get her on the radio to talk about her experience to talk about being there what it was like it was she had access to people who, you know, as, as media, uh, as, as a person in the media, she had access to people with interviews and everything else for this new television thing that she's doing that uh, that most people would not have had access to. And so we wanted to talk to her about her experience, kind of what she thought about it personally, and uh, maybe some of the food that she ate too. Of course, this is The Catholic Foodie, and the radio show that I do is called Around the Table. So food does definitely play a part in that. And uh, she most graciously joined us just a couple of weeks back 
And uh, I apologize for just now getting this uh, to you, but please do sit back, relax, enjoy. This is a, a treat. If you don't know about Diana, you've never heard of her, or you don't know much about her, go visit her website. It's the Faithful Traveler, thefaithfultraveler.com. Can't recommend it enough. She's fantastic. Lots of good stuff over there. And uh, I'm going to let this show close out the podcast. So from my part, until I see you next time in about a week, bon appetit. But don't go away. Listen to the show now. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to Around the Table. I'm Jeff Young, the Catholic foodie, joined today by Monsignor Christopher Nalty, a priest of the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and David Dawson, president of Catholic Community Radio. Hey, folks, how y'all doing? Hey, fellas, I should say fellas. How you been, Jeff? Uh, hot, you know, I mean, all hot? of a sudden. It's a little warm down here now, isn't it? Time for a snowball. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, matter of fact, we have snowballs are a big deal, I know, in New Orleans. A couple of famous places down in uh, the downtown area, or the uptown area, rather, just down the block from you, right? That's right. Hanson Snowblows and Paul. We had actually one thing that's interesting this past weekend. Uh, we had uh, we had a snowball, Plum Street snowball, come to the parish and uh, give snowball to all the kids after mass. It was great. Oh, isn't that fine? You see, I remember One of the first times of summer. Way back when, uh, this is, I was still in high school, and I used to do a lot of. Uh, I was an altar server. I was very consistent, and uh, actually had the honor, the privilege of of serving uh, several masses over time with uh, Bishop Stanley Ott of the Diocese yeah. of Baton Rouge. And I was invited actually to go to one of the ordinations way back when. Some of the the Baton Rouge guys who were ordained after their graduation to Plum Street. That was the first time. I ever been oh yeah they make some good snowballs we have a, a tradition at the parish uh, on on corpus christi as we'll we have a, a procession around the neighborhood and then afterwards we have a fish fry and just two years ago somebody volunteered to see if we could get plum street and they come and bring a portable snowball machine over and uh and then we have plum street snowballs and they, they they don't bring every flavor in their house but this year i think they had about seven or eight flavors and uh, one sugar-free flavor so it was uh it was pretty good but because Corpus Christi was pretty steamy this year. Yeah, it, it tends to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just uh, amazed. You know, we were complaining. Uh, we're not really complaining. We were noting, right, that uh, we've we had an extended winter. I mean, it was it was cold even in May. We had a cold snap, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, we turned the corner. <laughs> yeah, summer is officially well. It's officially here. Actually, wasn't it yesterday? Was the first day of summer? I think it but, was. Uh, but yeah. it, it's been in New Orleans for for a little bit longer than that. Once we had that last cold cold spell. It's Pretty much started for us. Well, you but know, just, just, this, just this past week, I was uh, traveling to the. I was I was privileged to go to the Catholic Media um, Conference, uh, the Catholic Press Association up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I thought, hey, I'm gonna be in North Carolina. It's gonna be nice and cold. Well, guess what? It, it felt like it was New Orleans. So, <laughs> uh, but the cool thing is, and this is a cool thing, is that we have a guest today uh, who is very cool, actually, and uh, that I saw just uh, just last week at the uh, the Catholic uh, Media Conference. I'm talking about Diana uh, 
Bon Glan. She's known as the Faithful Traveler. She's produced a, a couple of uh, travel Catholic travel uh, TV series that have aired on EWTN. And I know that she's working on a new uh, a new television project right now, a new show. Because Monsignor, when you were uh, just a few weeks ago, when the Pope was in the Holy Land, and you went to that uh, that awesome awesome event, she was there too, and she was uh, shooting footage and got to interview a, a bunch of uh, big name people. Uh, involved with uh, with this meeting, and uh, she's here to tell us a little bit about that and maybe some of the, the good food that she ate. So, Diana, welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So tell us, I mean, for folks who may not know, what, what is the, the, the Faithful Traveler all about? Well, the Faithful Traveler is a Catholic travel series that broadcasts on EWTN, um, and the the premise is that, you know, it's just like any other travel series. We go to places, we tell people what they're going to find there, um, we talk about the history and any kind of art, but we just go to Catholic places. So we go to Catholic shrines and places of pilgrimage. We started off um, here in the United States. Um, our first series was, was filmed in the East Coast, which is where we live. So we had to drive everywhere. And then our second series, we were invited on a Holy Land pilgrimage with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And so our second series is based in the Holy Land. And so, like you were saying, Jeff, um, based on that series, the Israel Ministry of Tourism saw it and they thought that they really liked the style of our presentation. And so they invited us to the Holy Land when the Pope was there uh, this last May to film a new production about the the Holy Father's trip so we just got back um what like two or three weeks ago wow yeah and and for for folks who may not know about this historic event monsignor could you tell us a little bit about what 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 made this so special well it's a it's a big deal you have to know a little bit about church history but you know for the first thousand years the the, there there was really no major divisions in christianity you always had different heresies that came up along the way and they were mostly short-lived but but there's a there's a, a kind of a symbolic date of 1054 when we have what began to be called the Great Schism, the break between the Eastern Church and the Western Church. Although both churches, for the most part, have kept the same beliefs, um, they, they, they're they separated uh, from each other in, in, in different ways. Um, the, 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 there's no real head of the Orthodox Church. You have different Orthodox patriarchs in different areas. But the Patriarch of Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, is kind of the symbolic head. They call him the ecumenical patriarch and he and he, he he he's described as a successor of, of the first apostle Andrew who was called by Jesus first now we know that uh, that the Bishop of Rome the Holy Father is, is a successor of Peter and was given special responsibilities to strengthen his brothers to, to resolve disputes and and so you know we've, we've tried to keep in, in stay involved with the dialogue with the Eastern Church but 50 years ago um, Pope Paul the six had a had a very important symbolic meeting for unity between the East and the West when he visited the Holy Land and met with the ecumenical patriarch there and 
and uh, and that that symbolic meeting and, and not not just symbolic it also was substantive because it began a dialogue between the, the Catholic Church and the Eastern Church um, was was remembered and reinforced again um, just a, just a few months I mean a few weeks back when the ecumenical patriarch whose, whose name now is Bartholomew met with um, with Pope Francis uh, in several meetings in in Jerusalem and I was I was able to be there uh, because the, the Greek Orthodox Church here in New Orleans is is really the first Greek Orthodox Church in the Americas, and some friends of mine who are involved with that church asked me to be part of their delegation. So I, I joked about it a few weeks in the show, said I felt like I was going to a Saints Packers game, and I was sitting with the Packers. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, well, we like the Packers, right? We like the Packers. Okay? It's not like the Atlanta Falcons or something like right, that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, the, 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 the real highlight of the of the meeting was a prayer service that took place in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. And and if you really think about what was happening, you had the successor of St. Peter and the successor of St. Andrew praying together with Greek chant and Latin chant and some beautiful talks they gave to each other about unity right in front of the place where Jesus rose from the dead. Wow. And, um, and it was one of the most moving experiences I've had in a, in, in a ceremony that wasn't connected to the Eucharist. It was it was so powerful. Uh, I wish that the Holy Father, he spoke in Italian. I wish he had spoken in English so more people could have understood his words. But the, the Patriarch of Constantinople has a beautiful baritone voice and gave a very moving, and they both gave very moving speeches, but more people could understand um, the Patriarch's talk. They later on, they, they, you know, they translated them and put them online and everything. And if anybody wants to hear them, you could read some real beautiful responses to Jesus's call that we may be one as he and the father are one. Oh, yes. And that's a uh, matter of fact, what we'll do, I, I'll put uh, notes uh, or a link at least in the show notes over at uh, catholicfoodie.com if anybody wants to, to get a link to, to see that. But I'm sure you could just Google it and, and find it too. Yeah, yeah the, the Vatican right away, I mean, within a few hours of the, of the ceremony, had translations online. I, I posted them on Facebook, but they uh, they were just two, two beautiful talks and, um, you know, really trying to respond to this, this union that, that Christ calls us to. And, and they also, you know, set in um, motion dialogue between the two of us because we, we, we all have the same sacraments. We, we all believe in the, in the same creed. Um, there's, there's different understandings of what the role of Peter should be because clearly Peter is mentioned more than any other uh, apostle in Scripture. And Jesus said things, some things he said to everybody, all the disciples, some he said to specifically to the apostles, and some he said just to Peter. And, and that those are the things that define Peter's role, but uh, but it was a it was a beautiful occasion for ecumenical dialogue, and I I really saw the need for it within the Greek group because you had a number of the members of the Greek delegation who were Roman Catholics who were married to Greek Orthodox, right. and they can't communicate, they can't go to communion in each other's church, and that's that's kind of an immediate problem that, that I hope the church you know will, will address and you know before they pass on and uh, you know and and leave it to their children. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and we're going to continue talking about this in, in just a, a few minutes. We need to take a quick break, and, uh, and we'll be right back. Me got five, can't put it out. Yeah. 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 
Are you one of the millions of Americans who can't get their day started without a cup of liquid defibrillation? If so, you're not alone. Morning coffee deficiency affects more and more of us each year. Catholic Community Radio may be able to help you get the caffeine you need to live a normal, productive life. Join the Coffee Club, a growing number of folks just like yourself who use their stainless steel dosage tumbler to get just the right amount of coffee to face the day. Don't let morning coffee deficiency keep you in the breakfast nook. Visit CatholicCommunityRadio.com today. Welcome back to Around the Table. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, joined today by Monsignor Christopher Nolte and David Dawson. And we have on the line with us today, Diana Von Glan, who is known as the Faithful Traveler. We're talking about the Pope's recent visit to the Holy Land, uh, which was historic and uh, momentous. And uh, both Monsignor Christopher Nolte and Diana Von Glan were in the Holy Land at the time. So, Monsignor, when we left, you were talking about uh, some of the experiences that you had there and kind of the significance, the religious significance of what that meant to have the, the patriarch of Constantinople and the Holy Father meeting in the place where Jesus lived his life, where he, he died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's truly amazing. And uh, you had mentioned also something about uh, Bethlehem, which was actually well, my favorite right. place to be when I went on my uh, my pilgrimage. I loved Bethlehem. So what happened there? Well, it's, it's interesting because I wasn't, the Greek delegation didn't go there. What took place in Bethlehem was the Holy Father said mass. Uh, and, and you know, when I worked in Rome, it was rare that you could celebrate with the Holy Father. The, you could at the Chrism Mass um, and, and very small occasions. But, but in the big Masses, they, when the Holy Father was celebrating, they mostly the consolidants were bishops and, and cardinals. And the Holy Father consolidated the Mass. Um, he celebrated the Mass, but he allowed all the priests who work in Bethlehem, priests from around uh, uh, the country, Palestine and Israel, who, who came there, uh, and so it was a big group. I mean, not a big group. I mean, I've been the ones in St. Peter's Square where there were 40,000 priests, but this is about 150, 200 priests. But the Holy Father arrived in a helicopter and, and, and went in, in a car into the square, and, and all the Christians were there, and as well as a lot of other guests. And we celebrated a, a beautiful, beautiful Mass in that city. It, none of, it would have been too hard for everybody to fit in the Church of the Nativity because it's so small. So we were in the, in the piazza outside, and that was a little warm there, too. I'll be honest with you. Everybody was fighting for shade, particularly because we had all our vestments on. Um, but but it was a it was a beautiful beautiful mass. And and um, and, and Diana, you were there too, right? You um you get a little yes, we were. <laughs> no, we were fortunately up on the tables in the back. Um, we got to stand on a on a stand under the shade, and everybody kept trying to jump up on our tables. It was crazy. But since we had cameras, you know, we had to find a way to shoot over the crowds, and they. They created these um, these tables for for the press, so we were we were able to be back there. Thank God in the shade, oh, but it was great. amazing. It was an amazing. There was an amazing energy in the crowd mm. before the Holy Father got there, and during the mass, and and even afterwards. I mean, I was I was just amazed at how excited everybody was. Yeah, and it was such a peaceful crowd too. You know, the some of the news media picked up on the fact that right when the Holy Father began his blessing, uh, the the Muslim call to prayer began, and you know this was a as I 
actually a mosque that was built by Muhammad himself to protect Christians who were going to the, the tomb of the Church of the Nativity. And, and as much as it was a little outrageous that, uh, that they began the prayer right at the exact moment the, the Holy Father is giving his blessing, you didn't have anybody angry. You just had people kind of smiling, well, that's just how it is over here. You know, we, it's the things we deal with, uh, you know, in, in a country where you've got you know, three major religions and oftentimes in conflict with each other. But, but it, was a, it, was a, it was a gorgeous day and, a, and a, like you said, a delightful crowd, a big cheers, a lot of singing before the Mass and then, and then you know, a lot of cheering when the Holy Father arrived. It's a great outpouring of love that, you know, that he would come there, a successor of Peter would come to, to Bethlehem. And, and knowing how difficult it is when the Holy Father travels with security and everything else, I think they really appreciated that. Geography may not be the strong suit of a lot of people, right? And I know right. if I Me haven't included. been right, if I haven't been to a place, I don't know it either. And and so we we oftentimes miss little details. And one of the details is that Bethlehem is in Palestine, right? You know, it, yeah. it's, it's inside the wall. Don't realize that, and a lot of security issues. You know, right. the, the, mm-hmm. the Israelite and the Palestinian security, and they built this huge wall around it. And you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a tough security check to get there. And uh, so they have to. To work with both sides. The Holy See has to work with both sides to be able to, you know, get through all the security. But, but you know, I found that there was, there was I can't even tell you how many people I saw with machine guns. There were probably four or five on every corner. But, but everybody oh, they was had in snipers a great, up on the walls. Right? Oh yeah, snipers. Up yeah, they had snipers up on the on the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were very prepared. But, but they were, but, but know, they were it, very cooperative. I thought. Yeah. No, it was great. I think, um, and and that is uh, the, the Holy Father definitely brought. Uh, you know, if the world wasn't paying attention to that Palestinian wall, they are now. You know, as we all can imagine that that iconic. I mean, you know, when Pope John Paul II was in the Holy Land, the the image that stuck out for many people was the image of him at the Western Wall. Mm-hmm. And I think for for those of us in 2014, the image uh, is of the Holy Father at the Palestinian Wall. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I I was blessed um, to you know, Jeff, you're the Catholic foodie. I was blessed to have a dinner with a Christian Palestinian family in Bethlehem. And, you know, we talked about that wall, aside from the amazing food that they had, let me tell you. <laughs> but, I knew you we know, had to get the food. Thing, yeah, it's about that. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the sad thing about that wall is that there are a lot of Christian Palestinians that they cannot visit the um, the sacred sites in Jerusalem because they are Palestinian. And, you know, of course, they built it oh. to, you know, to prevent the suicide bombers from going over and that kind of thing. But, in a way, they, they've essentially pu- punished all of the Palestinian people mm-hmm. and imprisoned them, kept them from being able to, you know, to, to go in. And there are, there are lots of stories about people, you know, Palestinians who are married to Israelites who cannot see each other and, you know, all sorts of sad things. So I think yeah. that the Holy Father's bringing attention to that wall will hopefully, you know, it'll hopefully be, you know, essentially a sign to, to everyone involved that, you know, it needs to come down and there has to be some other solution that that is more humane, you know, mm-hmm. so... But what did you eat, Diana? <laughs> you know, I wish I could tell you. I visited this amazing family, um, Nellie and Mike Salmon, 
who they're, they have three kids, but one of them was married and, and he wasn't able to meet us for dinner. But the two kids were just the sweetest people. I mean, the whole family was just so super nice. And Nellie made this amazing, I wish I knew the name of it. She told me that if I came back, um, Jeff, she would teach me how to make it. So maybe you'll have to come back with me sometime <laughs> and learn how to make this. But it was like this, it was like a soup made out of herbs and, and she spooned it onto rice. Mm. Um, and then we had um, some chicken that had some um, spices. Uh, it was like a, it was like a roasted chicken and there were some spices on it. And it was, oh my gosh. That's like New Orleans food to me. You know, I mean, it's it's the basic (laughs) ingredients, you know, of of a lot of people's kinds of food. And I mean, it was such a great. So I can tell Jeff is dying over there. Like, wait, chicken with herbs? Like, like, what herbs? I know. He's going, going, there's got to be garlic, rosemary. There's got to be some olive oil in it. Right, right. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, I wish I had been a better foodie out there, Jeff. Sorry. I, I do have a good foodie story. When I was in the Holy Sepulchre, uh, this guy behind me was Greek Orthodox and we started talking and the next day the, the Greek group was doing something and I wasn't going to be with them and he said well come meet me in Jerusalem I'll take you around and and so this guy was born in Jerusalem has lived there his whole life and took me behind the scenes all over I was up on top of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre looking oh, wow. down at the crowds uh, we were we were in monasteries that I never even would have known were there but <laughs> as we're walking down the, one of the streets um, it, he sees some of his friends sitting there eating falafel on the side and he says here come come and I, he didn't even know I was hungry I didn't say I was hungry and we, we sat down with his friends and they just handed me over their plates with falafels so I'm eating their falafels and, and then we have a couple of bites with them he takes a couple of pictures we laugh they didn't speak any English and so we moved down and then he sees this he knew, realized that I like falafels so he brought me into one of his friends <laughs> restaurants and, and the guy's like I had had falafels, I just had put them on pita with some sort of sauce and then eaten it like that. Oh no 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 no! They had to show me falafel etiquette and how you know how you eat them. And and every time that I got rid of the olive oil on my plate, they dumped another half gallon of olive oil on it. You know, to make oh you, it. you know they don't eat them like a, like we eat them like in the U.S. You'd put them in a pita. You know, like a sandwich, you know, like right. a gyro or right. something. And no, 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 they eat, you know, they eat it all separately. But you're just mopping up olive oil. They're telling me how good it is for my skin, and I'm thinking about my belt size. You yeah. know, but, uh, <laughs> that's funny. You find Monsignor that the people there, no matter what nationality or race they were, were so super friendly and so excited to yeah. meet you. you know, people don't realize that the normal Christian Jew or Arab there it lives with each other. You know, and, and so they have a lot more understanding of each other than most people. People focus on the on the fanatics, you know, they focus right. on the suicide bombers and the and the imams with all the hard rhetoric. Uh, but most of these right. people, they want to live in peace with each other. And so, you know, we would mm-hmm. pass people, you know, he would say hello. The, the, the guys who live there, they tend to speak a little bit of all their languages. So he's speaking Arabic to some of them, he's speaking Greek to some of them, he's speaking English to some of them. And you know, it really was, um, you know, you, you really see kind of the, the, the love that people have rather than, you know, what's dictated by, you know, some, some religious fanatic. And um, that was kind of a neat thing about, 
now I have a friend, uh, you know, this guy, Nick, I know that I'll see him again the next time I go there. I actually even sent um, some of my friends his address and email because he just, you know, he's a, he's a dentist. He's got a practice, but you know, he, he isn't working all day. And so he, he wanders around. He's an older guy. So, you know, he's, he's there by himself. His wife is back and forth between um, Greece and there. And so he, I think he just likes to make friends, you know, and helps us understand right. a little bit about the Holy city and, you know, all the different things that have gone on there. In fact, he took me and I met a guy who was, a, who as a kid was visited when Pope Paul VI had gone. He was sick wow. and the Holy Father came to him, Paul VI, and they had a plaque at his house and we just happened to walk by and he says, oh, this is where Paul VI went. This is my friend who he visited. And they showed me pictures and I'm like, oh my goodness, 50 years ago, you know, these guys were here and they, they, and they saw the first visit, you know? It was amazing because I'd been to the Holy Land, I'd been to Jerusalem twice before, but never had I been walked around just by myself with one guy who's from there and I've kept up with right. him on email and I, and, and I know I'll see him in the future. So he also gave a lot of good perspectives about, you know, stuff that went on there and he gave me an, uh, what did he give? He, he also gave me some, uh, Uzo, went to his house and had Uzo. He's Greek. So, you know, he's not going to drink the stuff there. He's got to have his own stuff from, uh, from Greece, even though he's, he's living his whole life in, uh, in Jerusalem. Jeff, what is the, what is the equivalent, the Holy Land equivalent of Uzo? It's, um, Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, A R A K. Iraq. Iraq. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like well, does a. It, does it taste just the same? Yeah. Yeah. A, I think a, it does. They, All right. They they drink it like an aperitif though. They drink it before the meals, you know. Right. And, and yeah. they just mix it with uh, some water, and it gets all cloudy. And the, but they, but they'll, they'll drink it the whole meal, you know. But it, it's interesting that all the countries around the Mediterranean basin have a licorice flavor, anise flavored mm-hmm. liquor. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. your zambuca. You've got your you know, right. Iraq. God. Even Spain mm-hmm. has uh, Ohan and, and France has Ricard and Pernod. They, there's a taste for that anise flavor there that, uh, mm-hmm. that that all of them like. I enjoyed it. Well, you don't want to have too much of these things because I can tell you they they can take the paint off your car. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's pretty <laughs> strong. Will. It's strong stuff. <laughs> you know, it's funny because last uh, last week at the the Catholic Media Conference, we had two friends from the Holy Land who were in. Uh, they came to the conference. Uh, Shibli Kondo, and he owns the condo store in Bethlehem. His grandfather's the, the one who, who discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, in Saliba, uh, Donho, who has a Voice of Faith tours, they handle all the land arrangements together with Select International uh, for the pilgrimages that I take over. And it was just so neat. It was the first time I'd seen either one of them since uh, since my trip in February. And it, it's, you know, you develop these friendships. You develop these. Sure. Uh, it just reminded me so much of, of my trip. It reminded me of all the different people that I met. One of which, by the way, Chef uh, Nabil Ajo, who is the uh, head culinary instructor of the Culinary Institute that's tied to the Pontifical Hotel there, the, the Notre Dame in Jerusalem. Right, right. He, right. Uh, Saliba was showing me, he had pictures of Nabil cooking for the Pope. And uh, wow. every dish, they had every dish uh, that, that he served. He says, Jeff, you ought to include this in your book. You know, it could be like yeah. the, the Pope meal. <laughs> I said, <laughs> right. yeah, that'd be great. You that over to Father Leo. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, there you go. But it's neat yeah. because, uh, you know, with the falafel, you mentioned that. And I know uh, we we did have uh, like a falafel party, uh, a lunch one day in in 
uh, in Jerusalem. And Chef Nabil was the one who made the falafel and went through the whole thing, gave me the recipe. It's going to be in the uh, in the cookbook that's coming out in November. But uh, I love it. And, and we did. We had it as a sandwich. We we had uh, pickled turnips and uh, hummus right, right. And, and tahini sauce and different vegetables, and, and um, including peppers. Spices. They really like some hot, hot spicy. Oh, yeah. yeah, they like it spicy. And it was uh, just, oh, it was incredible. That's good stuff. Well, you mentioned Select International, Jeff. I mean, one of the one of the programs, I don't know if you're incorporating these into your pilgrimages, but they, and Shibley helps with this, they organize, um, a, 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 it's a program that uh, called Select to Give, and they, they organize people who go on their pilgrimages. They can actually have uh, a meal with a Palestinian family. And so like you were saying, Monsignor, some of the most memorable things for you were the experiences with the people that live there. You know, I I found the same thing. You know, it's one thing to go to these places and to see and to, you know, to pray, but it's another thing to meet the living stones, the people of the Holy Land, the people who live there. And um, that's really a wonderful experience. I would highly recommend it for anybody who who gets out there to the Holy Land. And that was one of the reasons why I was so impressed with the Pope's visit, because number one, when he stopped by that wall, I saw that as a sign of hope, first of all, right? A sign of hope, a sign of peace, but also it really brought attention. And even his, the Pope's, uh, he recently tweeted about this too, right? Because our Pope is on Twitter and he's encouraging Uh people to pray for the Christians in the Holy Land because the fact is, is that there's so few of them. Uh, Over the last 50 years or so, the the, the population of Christians has dwindled dramatically uh, in the Holy Land. And, and, And someone put it on these lines. They said, you know, it's possible that one day soon you're going to have a Holy land with no Christian presence. And so in a way it's going to be like a, kind of like Disney world, right? Where nothing's real. You're there seeing the, the, the sights and all, but there's nothing real. And the Christians, the living stones are what really make that, that place what it is because that's what Jesus was all about, you know? And so we need to to support the, the Holy land, the folks in the Holy land, the Christians in the Holy land as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, I have one them come you to my parish every year. Like going on pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, pilgrimage. The big way that they do is they sell their olive uh, carvings. They come here every year to the parish, and the, the families that make the olive carvings travel around the country to sell, you know, the carvings that they make, and all that money goes right back to Bethlehem to help them, you know, to help them in their business, but also to help, you know, keep their families there so that they don't leave for an opportunity that's better, you know, in another country. That's right. I've and, seen them. I've right. seen and them. We'll, uh, beautiful carvings. And we'll need to... To, we'll keep them in prayer, first of all, absolutely. And uh, Monsignor, we're, we're actually at the end of the show, so I'm going to ask if you uh, if you would to please give us your blessing. I will. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And with your spirit. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain forever. Amen. 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 Thank you. We'll see you again next week, folks, right here around the table.